that I was going to be doing this. I was thinking about when I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. You all, most of you have heard this testimony about when Keith was seeking the Holy Spirit. And we were in this little tiny church. It probably wouldn't hold 100 people. And um, it had the little altar benches up front and stuff. And and um, Keith, every night, would go up seeking the Holy Spirit and seeking the Holy Spirit. And, and I thought maybe it was something that I was doing that was holding him back. So I went up and said, Lord, whatever it is he needs, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I said, whatever this stuff is he wants, please give it to him so we can just go home. Well, in doing that, I didn't know that I was turning over, you know, and, and, and dear, during that night, I got saved. Well, of course, this particular denomination, when you got saved, you immediately got baptized. So it was, it was kind of like um, raining and like 28 degrees and really cold. But anyway, we went out to the pond and I got baptized. And everybody from the church went. It was like midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. And everybody went. Nobody went home. Everybody went. We could use some more of that today. Yes, right. People hooking with people and stuff. But anyway, it was supernatural the way I got saved. Supernatural the way I got filled. It was definitely a God thing. Anybody that saw it, both things. Because I, I fell out under the power. Keith says, I don't even remember it. My head hit the hit the pew, uh, and, you know, it just all kind of stuff. I don't remember any of it. But then when I got filled with the Spirit and I came up out of the water, I was speaking in tongues, and I've been speaking in tongues ever since. Amen. But it was a supernatural thing. I didn't eat, I didn't sleep for at least three days, four days a week. All I wanted to do was tell people about the Lord. Amen. Tell people about Jesus. But... That waned. And it didn't take long till the cares of this world and me getting a job and Keith going to Bible school till I just kind of did a crawl backward. And I thought, that's his area. Bible, church, because we got into, he went to Bible school and he was studying and he was teaching and I was working a secular job. And I got involved in the things of the world. And I got involved in doing the things that I thought that we needed to do. And so I didn't study. I didn't pray. I didn't do any of those things. And it was causing real problems with us. It was causing real problems at home. It was We had a mess in our finances. I was making excellent money, and we still had a mess in our finances. I was sick. We were broke. We had family troubles, not just with ourselves, but with our families. Everything, I don't know if it could have gotten any worse. Everything was just bad. And I blamed Keith for everything I could. And I worked more. And I worked more. And I would say, well, I have to work more so we can have some more money. And I have to work more. And I have to work more. 
because I thought that was the answer. But do you know the answer came way, way back when I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you know people hear all the time, if you'll just come to God, all your problems will be solved? How many of you heard that? I heard it. I expect I've even told it to people. If you'll just come to God, all your problems will be over. That's just not true. How many of you found that's just not true? It's just not true. Getting saved means you're going to heaven. And that's an enormously glorious, wonderful, great thing. You're not going to hell. We should just stand up and rejoice about that. We're not going to hell. But that don't change your life here on this earth. Your problems are still the same. Your husband's just as ugly as he was the day before. Your wife is just as ugly as she was the day before. Your bills are just exactly the same as they were the day before. Your kids are just as mean as they were the day before. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you get saved, none of those things change. What does happen is you realize that you can go to heaven. That's what happens. So let's find out how to make life here on the earth change the rest of the time. Some of you is going to live to be 120. If you get saved when you're 17 and you've got to live from 17 to 120 and you have hell on earth from 17 to 120, that's a long stinking time. You know, John Osteen said, somebody said um, it was his anniversary and they'd been married, I think. How many of you know who John Osteen is? I don't want to assume anything. Okay. They'd been married something like 63 years or 65 years. And, and they said, somebody said to him, like, 65 years of heaven on earth? That's just great, Brother John. He said, no. <laughs> 15 years of heaven on earth. You know, the rest were marriage. But 15 out of 65 ain't too bad. You know, or 25, I forget the number he used, but you understand what I'm saying. You can be here, but you're not, you're not enjoying it. You're enduring it. And there's a big difference between enjoying something and enduring something. There's a lot of people that are married today. They're enduring it and they ain't enjoying it. There's a lot of people that have jobs and they're enduring them and they ain't enjoying them. There's a lot of people that wake up every morning and they're enduring life and they're not enjoying one moment of it. And that's exactly why so many people that you see say, I'm going to have all the fun I can have and I'll get saved on my deathbed. That's why you hear people say things like that. It's because they see us Christians and they see how sourpuss face we are. And they think, I don't want none of that stuff. I'm going to go party and have a good time. And then I'll get saved right before I die. I just hope that they can. So we need 
to show them the truth about it. Okay? So let's put up this verse. Matthew 4, 4 in the NIV. What's those first two words? Jesus so who is saying this? Jesus. Okay, is everybody here or just these four people on the front row? <laughs> I can hand my notes to somebody else and they can do this maybe better than me. Let's try it again. Okay, who said that? Jesus. Okay, Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone. Read this last part. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, now let me ask you another question. How many of you, the last time you were in church was last Sunday? Be honest. You know me. I'm just an honest person. Last time you were in church was last Sunday. Okay. All right. How many of you, the last time you were here was last Friday night? Okay. Most of you. Okay. Let me ask you another question. How many of you, the last time you ate was last Friday night? Huh? See what I'm saying? What if you only ate, what if you were only allowed to eat every time you came to church? We would have no obesity problems in the world. Huh? We would be the healthiest nation in the world. No, we would be starved to death. This world would starve to death. But Jesus said this. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I dare say, even though we're supposed to read our chapter every single day, 98%, no, 99.9% of the people... Because I know me. And I'm not a very uh, spiritual type person, but I know me and I tell you about me. I know when I'm reading my chapter with Keith, I have to be very, very careful not to look at my phone, not to look at my pups, not to look at what's going on over here, not to think about what I have to deal with as soon as I'm done. So I know if I'm doing that, people that never study, that never pray, that never do those things, they ain't getting a stinking thing out of what they just read. Amen. So the devil is winning on all fronts with us. Because he knows how to overtake us. All he's got to do is bring a thought to our mind. And while you're reading it or somebody else is reading it, you didn't get nothing out of it. So you didn't eat anything except for last Sunday when you have slept through Brother Keith's message. Because you came to church as a social club. So you could see who you could sell this to, or you could buy this from, or you could meet to do this, or you could meet for a job, or you could meet for that. Uh-oh. I'm trying to explain something to you guys. I'm not coming down on anybody, but I'm trying to explain to you why our lives don't change when we get saved. 
How did Jesus defeat the devil? That's what this is talking about. He defeated him with words coming out of his mouth saying, It is written. It is written. But you know what? If you don't know, just like when I put that verse up during the offering, and I could have quoted that verse, given it shall be given. But I didn't. I got it out and I read it again and I sat down and I meditated on it. And if you don't know what that means, don't assume you know what it means. Come on Wednesday night and find out how to do it. And meditated on it so that I could know it's written. So that when the devil attacks you, you've got something to stand on. You've got a foundation that you can stand on. You know, you know as well as I know. The first time you got a bill to pay, the devil's going to come to you and say, Look at you, you pretty thing. You don't even tithe. What can you do then? You can say, I just gave my tithe Sunday, devil. You can get out of here. And it says the devourer is rebuked. But if you don't know that, you can't say it. Right? Look at this with me. John 14, 12. This is King James, I think. I didn't put it down, but I think it is. Verse 23. Uh, I said 12, but 23. John 14, 23. We'll go further down. Jesus answered, again, who's talking? Jesus. Okay. And I don't know if in your Bible or not, modern day they're beginning to take out the red letters and things. But in my Bible it's red letters. Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man loves me, say that with me, me, he will keep my words, words. and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Do you think there's something in the fact that we don't even know his words, so how can we keep his words? Is it that's what I did? I got saved, I got filled with the Spirit, and I was on the right track. I was on fire for God. What should I have done? Now, don't get me wrong. We listened to tapes. I was probably in church more than 95% of the public because I was with Keith. And we were in church on Sunday. Brother Hagin was having, let's see, at that time we were having healing. Holy Spirit. There was another one. I forget what it was. We were having like four four seminars a year, week long. We were having we were going to Sunday morning church. We were going to Sunday night church. We were going to Wednesday night prayer. We were going to four seminars a year. Do you understand what I'm saying? I wasn't backslid. 
But I was not getting in His Word. There's a big difference in just hearing me say something to you and you getting in His Word and meditating on a verse that's going to mean something to you. And you have a right to it. Let, Let me tell you this, this story here. The Lord gave me this yesterday, day before yesterday. How many of you remember the old, when the United States was started and the settlers came in and if they would go and put their stake first on a plot of ground, they got to have that plot of ground and they could plant their seeds and they could begin to grow. And the more they planted, then they got to expand. And the more they did, they got to... How many of you remember that? We all studied it in history. Well, this is the illustration that the Lord gave me. It's funny how He does these things. It would be like you're there in one of these little old houses. Just picture it. Just picture in your mind. Just close your eyes just a minute. Just picture this with me. One of these old farmhouses, if you've ever seen like Little House on the Prairie, like one of those little old houses like that. Okay? And you got your family out there. And some stranger comes up. And when he comes up, he, he goes, walks kind of out to your barn first. And there's seed all over the ground there. There's seed strewn from the barn to the house. The bags of seed the goats have chewed into and are eating it. There's seed all the way down the middle of the barn. There's seed just strewn in the grass. There's seed everywhere. And so he goes in the house and he asks the man of the house, he says, Hey man, don't you know this is your your livelihood this is how you're going to live this is how you're going to expand this is how you're going to get more ground this is what your family's going to make it through to the winter with this is how you're going to grow this is what if one of your kids gets sick how are you going to pay the doctor bill don't you value that seed at all Well, I just thought it'd just be there. If I needed it, I'd go out and plant some. It'd just be there. That's the way people are doing with the Word. They're giving the Word absolutely no value to it at all. They have their Bible laying on their coffee table. They have another one sitting on the shelf. They have scriptures maybe in their car. They have CDs everywhere. But they don't value the Word enough to stop. There's not a person in here that shouldn't have a scripture listing that says, this is what I do immediately 
if I get attacked in finances. And you don't get 26 scriptures. You can't memorize them and meditate on them. Get you one. You saw I had one scripture. Could I defeat the devil with that scripture? Did we this morning defeat the devil with one scripture? Get you one scripture that means something in your heart. Because if you get too much, you can, it can't mean enough to you. You need something. You can stump him with this part of the verse and stump him with this part of the verse. Get you some word. Write it down. Get you an index card if you have to. This is for marriage. This is the verse I'm standing on. Husbands, love your wife. Have I been loving my wife? Do I have a right to stand on this? Have I been loving her? Have I been loving her? Have I been loving her? Because that's the first thing the devil's going to say. The reason you ain't getting this is because what? You ain't loving her. The Lord's going to ask you a question. Every time you go into a verse to do something, what's going to happen immediately when you stand on a verse? What's the devil going to do? He's going to, he's going to attack your mind about... Are you doing that verse? We can't just leave it all up in the air and say, Sirrah, Sirrah, what's going to be is going to be. That's why our lives are in. That's why my life was in the mess it was in. I thought I was going to get everything good in life by osmosis by hanging around Keith that was studying. It doesn't work that way. I had to begin. And I had to realize. And I thank God for my spiritual mother more than anybody in the whole. I love Brother Hagen, but I love my spiritual mother because she would slap me around sometime. And I guess I needed that. Because she'd say, What are you doing? You better get your little tail. And if you, if you reject things like that, then you reject love. Because she'd say, Phyllis, when are you reading your Bible if you're working all the time? And I'd go. Just like you do. Every time I'd look at you and say that. But I wanted my marriage right. I was miserable and I was crying and I was sad and I was depressed and I was fat. I was. I was over 200 pounds. Oh, wow is right. And I was ugly and I was mean. And that's the way you are when you don't put God first and His Word first. Because you don't like yourself. And the only way you're going to like yourself is by putting His Word in your heart. It's just like what I said a few minutes ago about the offering. You blame everything on somebody else because you don't have the confidence to stand yourself. And that's what I kept doing. I was blaming Keith on putting Rama first. I was blaming Keith on putting his classes first. I was blaming Keith on putting God first and forgetting about me. Well, what should he have been doing? What he was doing. <laughs> should he have neglected God 
to say, okay, Phyllis, I'll be home at 5 o'clock. You have dinner on the table. We'll have a romantic dinner every single night, and we'll forget our ministry from 30 years from now because I can't do this and that, so i got to put you on a pedestal, and i got to put you first. And so we'll, I'll, you make sure you have dinner on the table, and I'll come there and pat you on the cheek, and, and everything's going to be okay. Would you like that today? No. Not one of you would be here. Do you understand that? It was when I got in the Word for myself and I started finding out my place in God. And I started finding out I had a call on my life that I was supposed to do. And I was supposed to help Him do things. And not just be a whiny butt. (laughs) Now, I was working. And I was helping. But the Word will teach you who you are. And you'll quit walking around like this and say, give me, give me, give me, help me, help me, help me. There's only one person that can give me, give me, give me. And it's the Word. That's what he was just talking about in this verse. This verse. John, let's read it again, 14, 23. You can say whatever you want to say, but this says it all. Jesus said... You can say that. Jesus said unto them, If a man loves me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. And he will come into him and will make our abode in him. Now, if Jesus is in you, how do you act? Things are quite different, right? You see things differently when Jesus is in you. You don't just think your own thoughts. You think His thoughts then. Things are on a higher plane. You quit thinking so selfishly and so uh, worldly. You quit thinking about your own things. Look at verse 31. Skip down to there. It says, But that the world knows that I, Jesus, love my Father. As he gave me commandment, even so do I. In other words, Jesus himself obeyed the words of God. He's not trying to get us to do something he didn't do. That's why his life went as well as it went, is because he obeyed these words. Now, my life itself did not change until I started obeying these words. I was thinking this week, I've had to wear my glasses all week long. I'm actually cheating right now wearing my contacts. Yes, I wear contacts. So I have supposed to have them off all week for lots of reasons. But anyway, I've had to wear my glasses all week. Now, I've never worn glasses. From the day they told me I needed to wear glasses, I said, nope, contacts. So I've never worn glasses. So I never knew how horrible it was to wear glasses. (laughs) Now there's two sides to this story. Never judge anybody. You don't know what they're going through. Because you can look at somebody 
And you could not even pay attention to the fact that they're wearing glasses or that they got this or they got that or they got this because you should have seen my makeup (laughs) trying to put on my makeup with... How do you put on makeup with glasses? (laughs) (laughs) It's like impossible. And how do you study to preach? It's like difficult when everything is blurry and everything is crazy. And cooking is like everything is magnified. You know, your onions are this big. So I'll never judge anybody again. But the reason that I'm saying this is because You don't know how good something is until you've tried it. So like people that have never really worn contacts for an extended period of time, they don't know how good they are. I'm telling you, they don't know how good they are. Well, it's the same thing with the Word. If you've never really taken a Scripture verse and stood on it. I mean stood on it till you got the answer. You've never, you'll never, never, ever, ever know how amazing that makes you feel. Because once you ever do it, you'll never go back to those glasses. You'll never go back to the old way of doing things. It'll never happen. You'll never go back to your old life of fighting with your spouse. You'll never go back to the old life of doing without finances. You'll never go back to the old life of fighting with your kids. You'll never go back to the old life of fighting with your employer. You'll never go back to being in fear. You'll never go back to depression. You'll never go back to those things if you ever find your verse... And stand on it and stand on this book and trust God, just like what Keith told me on the other, that He's faithful, whatever it takes, whoever it takes, to provide the answer for you. Because God is true to His Word. And if we do the verse and we keep every part of the verse that we're standing on, God will see it through to the end. But our problem has been we just want to pretend like we're keeping that verse. Just like the given it shall be given. Put that verse back up there. I didn't intend to go this way, but put it back up there and I'll explain it to you. You'll see it clearly. Given it shall be given unto you. Now what if I'm standing here believing for the airplane or believing for new clothes or believing for a new house and I start quoting that boast, given it shall be given unto me and I ain't never once sowed a house seed into anybody. I know that verse is in the Bible. Just because you give in the offering to the church 
doesn't mean that you've given into somebody's house. Do you understand that? Just because you've sown your offering, your tithes and offerings into the church doesn't mean that you've sown into somebody's clothes. I just the other day, somebody here in the church, they didn't sign it, so I don't know who it is, sent me a card and said, Mrs. Moore, I like the clothes you wear. I want seed in that. I only have this much. I want seed in that. I took that offering. I prayed over that offering. I said, Lord, this is her seed. We count it valuable. Seed is very valuable and precious to us. I said, this seed is in the ground. This person's going to reap some clothes. You mark my word, they're going to be reaping some clothes. They have clothes seed in the ground. Give and it'll be given unto you. But you have to do the verse. You can't claim this verse without doing this verse. But before you can claim this verse, you have to know the verse. And the thing about it is, everybody does not need to stand on the same verse because it's not the same verse that ministers to your spirit. You may need to stand on the verse that says God gives seed to the sower. Did you know that was in there? You need to search it out. And you say, well, I don't know how to search the Bible. I've got an answer. I told it Wednesday night. Tom taught me a trick. Get your little phone out. Put in God gives seed to the sower. It'll Google it. It'll tell you the scripture reference. It'll tell you the verse. It'll tell you everything about it. It'll give you 16 translations. But you can't do anything without knowing what this book says. Because I'll tell you this. When you read a verse and you do that, give and it shall be given, then you have the whole force of this book, which is very heavy, back behind you, standing with you, even though... Hey, Devin, get that picture ready. Um, even though you're just a little wimpy doodle. You may be so tiny, you may not know anything, you may not know who God is, you may have got saved yesterday. But when you get this thing behind you, you become a force to reckon with. Because it's not you, it's the one that's inside you, and it's this word backing you up. But when you just jabber your talk, it means nothing. But when you jabber this talk, it means something. Have you got that, Deb? I know I'm talking to Branson. Let's see if he can put that up for me. I told him I wasn't going to use it, but I changed my mind. He's usually sharp and quick. You may be a little bitty kitty cat, but what the devil sees when you get this word... Do you understand that? Do you see that? 
When you get that scripture verse, it's no longer you. It is no longer you. It is this great, big, roaring lion that the devil is not going to mess with. Because he knows he's all, Jesus has already defeated him. He knows he's not going to fight Jesus. He knows he will fight you. He's ready and willing to fight you. But he's not going to fight Jesus. He knows what happens when he tries to fight Jesus. So you try to stand alone and you're going down the drain. But you get this book and you get you a scripture. And you find out what this book says. And you get that scripture to stand on. And you put it as big as this piece of paper on your refrigerator. You put it on your mirror. You put it on your doorknob. You put it on your your husband's forehead. So every time you look at him, you're seeing that scripture. Well, some of you would never see it because you don't like looking at your husband. But anyway, (laughs) hey, you think I'm kidding. But you know what I'm talking about. I know where to put it. Put it right in the middle of that TV screen. (laughs) Find a scripture. I'm reading that scripture, given it shall be given. I bet I read it a hundred times a day right now. You know why I read it a hundred times a day? Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me why. No. No. Because the devil says it ain't going to be here. Because he does me just exactly like he does you. He tells me, you ain't going to have the money. He tells you, you ain't going to have the money. He tells you, you ain't going to be healed. He tells you, your kids are never going to get better. He tells you, your marriage is never going to get better. He tells you, you're always going to be stuck at that stinking job. And he's going to tell you it a hundred times a day. So what is your job? To just let those thoughts bombard your mind left and right and left and right. No, you can't do it. You have to be the kitty cat. But if you get the word out, you become that lion. Because the devil's going to defeat that kitty cat every time. And that's why you're defeated. Because you're trying to do this on your own. And we were not made to do this on our own. We were made to do it with this book. When you got saved, it was so that you could renew your mind with the washing of the water of the Word. So that you could renew your mind with this book. So that you could know it is written. You don't live by food alone. You find whatever area it is that is the biggest, baddest area attacking your life right now. Now, listen to me carefully. I have probably, and I'm not exaggerating, 20 areas right now that I should be believing for. 
I should be believing for this. We could use a new soundboard. I should be believing for this. We could use this. We're doing the children's area. I should be believing for these people's marriage. I should be believing for, for my little sister this. I should be believing for my dad this. I should be believing for this. I should be believing for this person's marriage. I should be believing for, for this. I should be believing for this on the job. We need this person to be able to do this. This needs to be straightened out in the ministry. There's 20-something areas that I, that I could be believing for. But ain't nobody that good. You take one area. You defeat the devil. One area. Everybody say that with me. One area. One area. Get you one scripture. You defeat the devil. And you meditate on it night and day. And you defeat the devil. And you think about it. Now, I told, told this Wednesday night, but it seems that's the way we're going today. So we'll just go. I only have the rest of my notes don't mean anything anyway. They're just notes. Meditating means what we did Wednesday night. It means getting a scripture verse. Getting someplace, getting one verse, getting someplace quiet. Shutting the whole world out. Men, if you got to, like I said, get in your garage, get in your closet, get in your garage with the car running. No. <laughs> that was a joke. That's what some people want to do because of the way their conditions are. But no, get someplace quiet. Get this verse. Get your Bible. One verse. Don't pray a hundred miles an hour. Don't sing. Don't shout at the devil. Don't dance. Don't run. Sit still. And get that verse and read it. And when your mind tries to stray, read it again. Then say it. Give and it shall be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Say it again. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. Maybe you hadn't given. So maybe you need to go with my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Maybe that's your verse. That's what I'm saying. You can, everybody can't stand on the same verse. You've got to find the one that bears witness with your heart and sit there. And I don't mean five minutes. We did 30 minutes the other night. Brother Hagen told in his book, sometimes he'd do this for three days. But he went 50 years and never had a prayer unanswered. Never had one prayer unanswered in 50 years. Stand up if that's you. The problem we have today is people are just throwing out all these prayers and nothing is getting answered and they're defeated. Find you one scripture. Get it. Read it. You can't even find the scripture if you don't know what the word says. 
So at some point in time, you're going to have to spend a little bit of time in the Word to find out about it. If you don't know enough Word in the beginning, talk to somebody. Get them to help you find a verse for it. We did that Wednesday night. you got to start somewhere, but the best place to start is like I did. I finally broke down and said, Okay, Lord, I am... When you get sick and tired of something, you're eventually going to change it. But you really got to get sick and tired of it. When you get sick and tired of it, don't wait on your spouse to do it for you. Don't wait on somebody else to fix it for you. They can't. You find time. You get in your prayer closet. You get this Bible out right here. Most people don't need to read a book. Most people barely need to read a chapter. Most people need one verse. Because they'll overdose on that one verse. Because they haven't read the Bible enough. They can't understand it all because they haven't read it enough. Get one verse. Stand on it. If it's your weight, find a scripture on weight. If it's your memory, find a scripture on memory. If it's healing, find a scripture on healing. If it's your kids, find a scripture on kids. If it's your job, find a scripture on your job. But do that one thing, then we're going to begin to see people coming up because once you get the answer on one thing, honey, you're stuck. You're, it's like me. Once I got those contacts in, I never went to glasses. Once you ever get it answered, you're going to begin to grow and you're never going to go back to the other. You're never, 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 never going to want to change. You're never going to want to go back to the world's way. Then we're going to be able to see the body of Christ begin to grow, begin to change, begin to get answers for their self. Instead of people are too attached to go and say, would you find out the answer to this for me? Would you pray for me about this? Would you tell me what to do about this? There's only one person that can tell you what to do. Even if you come to me, even if you go to Dan or Craig or Dave or or Rob or any of our staff, the only way they're going to be able to tell you what to do is if they go to him. Otherwise, it's just somebody's opinion, and an opinion is worth what it costs you. But now, his words coming to live in you, if you say you love him, You'll keep His words. Everybody in here, if I asked you, do you love the Lord? Every person in here is going to just belt out to me. What? Yes. My title is More Than Words. Just to say yes means nothing to the Lord. Because He said this. Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man loves me, he will keep my words. How can we say we're keeping his words when we don't even know his words? We know every movie, every channel, every night what's coming on the TV. 
We can tell you when shows are coming on. We can tell you every actor's name, every actress's name, every award that they've won. What is that going to mean to us in eternity? We can tell you every song that's popular. We can tell you every new product that's come out, every techie thing that's come out, and how to use it. But our marriages are going down the drain. We're suffering every day because we don't have we don't have any of the good things that we want. The example that we are to the world. People are not coming to get saved because they see our lives. And we are that example. And they don't want none of us. Who wants to be like me? If I'm bitter and sad and grumpy and as Dave calls it, crabby all the time. He'll say, are you crabby today? Well, no, but I am having to deal with this and I'm having to deal with this and why did they do that and how come they didn't do this and how come... That's crabby. You can say what you want to, but it's crabby. You can say no, but it's still crabby. Right? So let me, let me read you a couple of things here and then we'll close so I don't go as long as Keith today. Joshua 1.8, every one of you know this. How many of you know it? Amen. The book of the law, this is Old Testament, but it talks about it several places in the New Testament too. So you can, if you're one of those legalistic people that think part of the Bible's good and part of the Bible's not good, well, you probably shouldn't listen to me. Because I think everything in this book is just amazingly wonderful. I've proved it out in my life. And if you don't want to prove it out in your life, well, then you probably... You're probably suffering. You wished you had it as good as I've got it. Joshua 1.8. The book of this law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night. Now here's the catcher that you may observe to do all that's written therein. How can you observe to do all that's written therein if you don't even know what's written therein? And that's what I was doing. And God was so good to me. He said, woman, let me tell you a little secret. You're so messed up, I've got to send the prophet's wife for you to be with her 24-7 to straighten you out so that Keith can do what he's supposed to do. I'm serious. And she'd say, no, we're not doing that. No, hush. She straightened me right out. Now, I could have got offended. Look at this verse. Mark 4, 14. You all know this. The sower sowed the word. And these are they that's by the wayside, where the word is sown. Now, these are people that are not even in church. These are by the wayside. You just happen to see them on the street. You try to tell them something. They're by the wayside. But when they heard the word, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown into their hearts. Because they didn't care about it. Then the second category is, these are they likewise, 
which are sown on stony ground. When they'd heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves, not in God, in themselves. They have no commitment in themselves. So they endure, but for a little time. And afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Immediately they are offended. Now that's the choice I had with mom. I was right there in category two, which is a baby, baby, baby Christian. Immediately when my elder came to me and said, you need to straighten your little self up. You need to start doing these things. You need to stop doing these things. You need to forget about work so much, and you need to get in church with your husband. I had a choice right there to get offended. That would have pulled me out forever. Because my heart at that point in time was hard. Because I wasn't spending any time in the Word. So if you want to recognize yourself, this to me is the baby. You want to categorize it in a stage? That's babyhood stage. So if you find yourself getting offended, you can look in the mirror and say, I'm a big baby, na 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 na. I let that offend me. I'm a big baby. I let that offend me. It's the truth. Because I did. I went home and I told Keith, I said, do you know what she did? She called me in front of all those people and told me that. He didn't cut me any slack. You know him. He's like, grow up. And I did. I did. We all have choices to make. And I'm so thankful that I did. Look at all the fruit over the years. Then number three. Category three, these are those that are sown among thorns that hear the word. But the cares of this world, to me, in my mind, I kind of call this a teenager. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust and the things thereof choke the word out and it becomes unfruitful. Think about a teenager. What is the most important thing to them? Their self. Their self, they want cars, they want sex, they want this. Their flesh is the most important thing to them. A teenager. Think about it. You were a teenager. Think about a teenager. They think they know everything. Right? And the most important thing is what they want. Right? So, but we as adults can be teenagers too. Spiritually. The lust of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. So we become totally unfruitful for God. But then the last one. These are they which are sown on good ground. We hear the word, we receive it, and we bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. How many of you want to bring forth fruit? We are a fruit-bringing-forth bunch. That's us. That's who we are. And we're going to be bringing forth more fruit. 
Because we're going to find us some verses. We're going to stand on these verses. We're going to... Don't let the devil put you... Keep you... If you just look in a mirror today, you're going to be the kitty cat. Just on your own. Become the lion. Get these verses. Stand on them. Become powerful. Become so big that the devil can't mess with you. He's going to... How... Quick, can the devil just open his mouth and swallow that little kitty cat? But he ain't going to mess with that lion. That's right. Because the lion of the tribe of Judah is something to mess with. Amen. Okay, this, this last part, and we'll call it a quit. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears... Let's see, this may be NIV. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. But what happened? It didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came and the streams rose and the winds blew and it beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. That's what happens if we don't... Read the first part again. Verse 24. You hear these words and you do what with them? Then your house can stand any storm that comes against it. We don't want to be a foolish man. And that's what we've been, a lot of us, for decade after decade after decade after decade after decade. We get us a verse... We stand on it. We see it come to pass. We resist the devil. We stand against that. We use that verse. We make sure we're doing everything. We put that verse to practice in our life. You may not, when I was talking about that given, it shall be given. You may not have enough money to pay somebody's house payment, but you may have $10 to walk up to somebody and say, put this on your house payment. And you may give them $10 a month for the next six months. Put this on your house payment. I'm believing for a house. You may need furniture. You may need a washing machine. You may give them a dollar. You may say, I'm sewing for a washing machine. I'm giving you a dollar a month. Give and it shall be given unto you. God is a faithful and a true God. If you're believing for something, you sow. You, you got to tithe first. If you're not tithing, then the devourer is not going to stand back and let you have everything you want. I don't care who disagrees with that. I've proved it out in my own life. Because what happens is immediately the devil comes to that mind of yours and says, You ain't even a tither. And anybody in here, tell me, stand up, dance, shout, that can get the devil out of their mind and tell him that he's just got to go away when you didn't do the word. It don't work. He wins every single time. But when you do the word, 
You've got something to kick him out of your life with. So you do everything you know according to the word. And when you do that, then you can kick his tail into the next century. You can be that lion. Stand up on your feet.